Chapter 6 Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Matthew 5 4. There are eight steps that lead to true blessedness. They may be compared to Jacob's ladder, the top of which reached to heaven. Genesis 28 12. We have already gone over one step, and now let us move on to the second. Blessed are they that mourn. We must go through the valley of tears to get to paradise. Mourning would be a sad and unpleasant subject to discuss if it were not that blessedness goes before it and comfort comes after. Mourning is put here for repentance. It implies both sorrow, which is the cloud, and tears, which are the rain distilling in this glorious shower. God comes down to us. The words fall into two parts. First, there is an assertion that mourners are blessed people, and second, there is a reason, because they will be comforted. I begin with the first, the assertion that mourners are blessed people. Blessed are ye that weep now. Luke 6, 21. Although the saints' tears are bitter tears, yet they are blessed tears. But will all mourning entitle a person to blessedness? No, for there is a twofold mourning that is far from making one blessed. There is a carnal mourning, and there is a diabolical mourning. There is a carnal mourning when we lament outward losses. In Rama there was a voice heard, lamentation, and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. Matthew 2, 18. There is an abundance of these tears shed. There are many people who can mourn over a dead child who cannot mourn over a crucified Savior. Worldly sorrow hastens our funerals. The sorrow of the world worketh death. 2 Corinthians 7, 10. There is a diabolical mourning, and this is twofold. One, it is a diabolical mourning when a person mourns that he cannot satisfy his impure lust. This is like the devil, whose greatest torture is that he cannot be even more wicked. Thus Amnon mourned and was sick until he defiled his sister Tamar. 2 Samuel 13.2. Thus Ahab mourned for Naboth's vineyard. He laid him down upon his bed, and turned away his face, and would eat no bread. 1 Kings 21.4. This was a diabolical mourning. 2. It is also a diabolical mourning when people are sorry for the good that they have done. Pharaoh grieved that he had let the children of Israel go. Exodus 14.5. Many are so devilish that they are troubled that they have prayed so much and have heard so many sermons. They repent of their repentance. However, if we repent of the good that is past, God will not repent of the wrath that is to come. To illustrate this point of holy mourning, I will show you what is its adequate object. There are two objects of spiritual mourning, sin and misery. In regard to sin, there is our own sin and the sin of others. Our own sin. Sin must have tears. While we carry the fire of sin about us, we must also carry the water of tears to quench it. Ezekiel 7, 16. John Chrysostom said that they are not blessed who mourn for the dead, but rather they are blessed who mourn for sin. 
Indeed, it is with good reason that we mourn for sin, if we consider the guilt of sin which binds over to wrath. Will not a guilty person weep who is to be bound over to the court for sentencing? Every sinner is to be tried for his life and is certain to be found guilty if mercy does not become an advocate for him. Sin pollutes. Sin is a plague spot, and will you not labor to wash away the spot with your tears? Sin makes a person worse than a toad or serpent. The serpent has nothing except what God has put into it. Poison is capable of being used as a medicine, but the sinner has that which the devil has put into him. Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Acts 5 3. What a strange change sin has made! The soul, which was once of a sky blue brightness, has been made black by sin. We have in our hearts the seed of the unpardonable sin. We have the seed of all those sins for which the damned are now tormented. Will we not mourn? He who does not mourn has certainly lost the use of his reason. Every mourning for sin, though, is not sufficient to entitle a person to blessedness. I will now show what is not the right gospel mourning for sin and what is the right gospel mourning for sin. What is not the right gospel mourning for sin? There is a fivefold mourning that is false and spurious. A despairing kind of mourning. This was Judas's type of mourning. He saw his sin, he was sorry, he made confession, he justified Christ, and he made restitution. Matthew 27. Judas, who is in hell, did more than many do nowadays. He confessed his sin. He did not plead necessity or good intentions, but he openly acknowledged his sin. I have sinned. Matthew 27, 4. Judas made restitution. His conscience told him that he obtained the money by wickedness. It was the price of blood. Matthew 27, 6. And he brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Matthew 27, 3. How many people there are who invade the rights and possessions of others, but without ever a word of restitution? Judas was more honest than they are. How was Judas's sorrow blameworthy? It was a mourning joined with despair. He thought his wound was broader than the bandage. He drowned himself in tears. His was not repentance unto life, Acts 11:18, but was rather unto death. A hypocritical mourning. The heart is very deceitful. It can betray by a tear as well as by a kiss. Saul looked like a mourner, and as he was sometimes among the prophets, 1 Samuel 10:12, so he seemed to be among those who repented. Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. 1 Samuel 15:24. Saul played the hypocrite in his mourning. He did not take shame to himself, but he instead took honor to himself. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people. 1 Samuel 15:30 He cut and trimmed his sin so that it might appear less. He laid his sin upon the people because I feared the people. 1 Samuel 
They wanted me to run upon the spoil, and I had to do it. A true mourner labors to draw out sin in its bloody colors and accent it with all its murderous offenses, so that he may be deeply humbled before the Lord. Our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Ezra 9 6. The person who truly repents labors to make the worst of his sin. Saul labored to make the best of sin, like a patient who makes the best of his disease so that the physician does not prescribe him too strong of a medicine. How easy it is for a person to deceive his own soul and by hypocrisy to sweep himself into hell. A forced mourning. When tears are pumped out by God's judgments, these are like the tears of a man who is being pressed under stones, or who lies upon the torture rack. Such was Cain's mourning. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Genesis 4.13. His punishment troubled him more than his sin. To mourn only for fear of hell is like a thief who weeps for the penalty rather than the offense. The tears of the wicked are forced by the fire of affliction. An extrinsic mourning. This is when sorrow lies only on the outside. They disfigure their faces. Matthew 6.16. The eye is tender, but the heart is hard. Such was Ahab's mourning. He rent his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and went softly. 1 Kings 21.27. His clothes were rent, but his heart was not rent. He had sackcloth, but no sorrow. He hung down his head like a bulrush, but his heart was like a stone. There are many who may be compared to stone sculptures in fountains. They are both watery and stony. A vain, fruitless mourning. Some people will shed a few tears, but are as bad as ever. They will deceive and be unclean. There is such a kind of mourning in hell. The damned weep, but they blaspheme. What is the right gospel mourning? The mourning that will entitle a person to blessedness has these following qualifications. It is spontaneous and free. It must come as water out of a spring, not as fire out of a flint. Tears for sin must be like the myrrh that drops from the tree freely without cutting or forcing. Mary Magdalene's repentance was voluntary. She stood weeping. Luke 7:38 She came to Christ with ointment in her hand with love in her heart and with tears in her eyes God is for a free will offering he does not love coerced offerings gospel mourning is spiritual that is it is spiritual when we mourn for sin more than for suffering pharaoh wanted the plagues taken away but he never considered the plague of his heart a sinner mourns because judgment follows at the heels of sin, but David cried out, My sin is ever before me. Psalm 51 3. God had threatened that the sword would continually visit his family, but David did not say, The sword is ever before me, but My sin is ever before me. The offense against God troubled him. He grieved more for the treason than for the bloody axe. It was the same with the repentant prodigal. Who said, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Luke 15, 18. He did not say, 
I am almost starved among the husks, but I have offended my father. In particular, if our mourning for sin is spiritual, it must be under this threefold notion. One, we must mourn for sin as it is, an act of hostility and enmity. Sin not only makes us unlike God, but it makes us contrary to God. They have walked contrary unto me. Leviticus 26:40. Sin insults and resists the Holy Spirit. Acts 7:51. Sin is contrary to God's nature. God is holy, and sin is an impure thing. Sin is contrary to his will. If God is of one mind, sin is of another. Sin does all it can to offend God. The Hebrew word for sin signifies rebellion. A sinner fights against God. Acts 5.39 When we mourn for sin as it is, completely opposite to heaven, this is gospel mourning. Nature will not bear contraries. 2. We must mourn for sin as it is, a display of the highest ingratitude. It is kicking against the arms of mercy. God sends His Son to redeem us, and He sends His Spirit to comfort us. We sin against the blood of Christ and the grace of the Spirit, and will we not mourn? We complain about the unkindness of others, and will we not lay to heart our own unkindness against God? Caesar took it unkindly that his son Brutus would stab him, and thou, my son? The Lord may well say to us, I have received these wounds in the house of my friend. Zechariah 13, 6. Israel took their jewels and earrings and made a golden calf of them. Exodus 32. The sinner takes the jewels of God's mercies and makes use of them to sin. Ingratitude dyes a sin in the grain of the nature, and so they are called crimson sins. Isaiah 1, 18. Sins against gospel love are worse in some sense than the sins of the devils, for they never had an offer of grace extended to them. The devil sinned, though constituted in innocence. I indeed, when restored. He continued in wickedness by reprobation of God. I indeed, when recalled by God. He was hardened by punishment. I indeed, by divine gentleness. And thus both of us went against God the one by not seeking to know himself, and I indeed against the one who died for me. Behold his, the devil's, dreadful likeness, but in many things I see myself even more dreadful. Anselm of Canterbury from On the Fall of the Devil When we mourn for sin as it has its emphasis of ingratitude upon it, this is an evangelical mourning. And three, we must mourn for sin as it is a deprivation. It keeps good things from us. It hinders our communion with God. Mary wept because of Christ's absence. They have taken away my Lord. John 20:13. Our sins have taken away our Lord. They have deprived us of his sweet presence. Will not he who has lost an expensive jewel grieve? When we mourn for sin under this sentiment, as it makes the sun of righteousness withdraw from our horizon, when we mourn not so much that peace is gone and business is gone, 
but that God is gone. My beloved had withdrawn himself. Song of Solomon 5-6 This is a holy morning. The morning for the loss of God's favor is the best way to regain His favor. If you have lost a friend, all your weeping will not bring him back again. But if you have lost God's presence, your mourning will bring your God again. Gospel mourning sends the soul to God. When the prodigal son repented, he went to his father, I will arise and go to my father. Luke 15, 18. Jacob wept and prayed. Hosea 12, 4. The people of Israel wept and offered sacrifice. Judges 2, 4-5. Gospel mourning results in a person having a duty. The reason is that in true sorrow there is a mixture of hope, and hope puts the soul upon the use of means. That mourning, which, like the flaming sword, keeps the soul from approaching to God and keeps it away from duty, is a sinful mourning. It is a sorrow hatched in hell. This was how Saul's grief was that drove him to the witch of Endor. 1 Samuel 28 7. Evangelical mourning drives us to prayer. The child who weeps for offending his father goes to his presence and will not leave until his father is reconciled to him. Absalom could not be quiet until he had seen the king's face. 2 Samuel 14 32 33. Gospel mourning is for specific sin. The deceitful person is occupied with generalities. It is the same with a truly repentant person as it is with a wounded man. He comes to the surgeon and shows him all his wounds. Here I was cut with a sword. Here I was shot with a bullet. In the same way, a truly repentant person mourns over all his specific sins. We have sinned against thee both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. Judges 10.10. They mourned for their idolatry. David placed his fingers upon the sore and pointed to the very sin that troubled him. Psalm 51.4. I have done this evil, he said, referring to his blood guiltiness. A wicked man will say he is a sinner, but a child of God says, I have done this evil. Peter wept for that specific sin of denying Christ. Clement of Alexandria said that every time he heard a rooster crow, he began to weep. There must be a specific repentance before we have a general pardon. Gospel tears must drop from the eye of faith. The father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe. Mark 9.24 Our disease must make us mourn. But when we look up to our physician, who has made a plaster of his own blood, we must not mourn without hope. Believing tears are precious. When the clouds of sorrow have overcast the soul, some sunshine of faith must break forth. The soul will be swallowed up by sorrow. It will be drowned in tears, if faith is not there to keep it from sinking. Although our tears drop to the earth, our faith must reach heaven. After the greatest rain, faith must appear as the rainbow in the cloud. The tears of faith are bottled as precious wine. Psalm 56, 8. Gospel mourning is joined with self-loathing. The sinner admires himself. 
the repentant person loathes himself. Ye shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils. Ezekiel 20:43. A truly repentant person is troubled not only for the shameful consequence of sin, but also for the loathsome nature of sin, not only for the sting of sin, but also for the disfigured face. How the leper loathed himself. Leviticus 13:45. The Hebrew doctors say that the leper who was pronounced unclean was to put a covering on his upper lip, both as a mourner and as an expression of shame. The true mourner cries out, Oh, these impure eyes, this heart that is a gathering of wickedness! He not only leaves sin, but he loathes sin. He who is fallen in the dirt loathes himself. Hosea 14.1. Gospel mourning must be purifying. Our tears must make us more holy. We must so weep for sin as to weep out sin. Our tears must drown our sins. We must not only mourn, but we must turn. Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. Joel 2.12. What is it to have a watery eye and a wandering heart? It is foolish to say it is day when the air is full of darkness, and it is foolish to say that you repent when you draw dark shadows in your life. It is an excellent saying of Augustine that he truly bewails the sins he has committed who never commits the sins he has bewailed. True mourning is like the water of jealousy. Numbers 5:12-22. It makes the thigh of sin to rot. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces. Psalm 74:14. The heads of our sins these leviathans are broken in the waters of true repentance. True tears are cleansing. They are like a flood that carries away all the rubbish of our sins with it. The waters of holy mourning are like the Jordan River, in which Naaman washed and was cleansed of his leprosy. 2 Kings 5, 1-14. It is reported that there is a river in Sicily where, if the blackest sheep are bathed, they become white. Even though our sins are as scarlet, yet by washing in this river of repentance they become as white as snow. Isaiah 1 18. Naturalists say of the serpent that it vomits out its poison before it goes to drink. In this, be wise as serpents. Matthew 10 16. Before you think to drink down the sweet tonics of the promises, cast up the poison that lies at your heart. Do not only mourn for sin, but break from sin. Gospel mourning must be joined with hatred of sin. What indignation! 2 Corinthians 7.11 We must not only abstain from sin, but we must abhor sin. The dove hates the smallest feather of the hawk. A true mourner hates the slightest movement towards sin. A true mourner hates sin. Amnon hated Tamar more than he ever loved her. 2 Samuel 13.15 To hate sin implies two things. First, one must look upon sin as the most deadly evil, a complicated evil. It looks more dreadful than death or hell. Second, 
one must be uncompromisingly enraged against it. One who hates sin will never allow any terms of peace. The war between him and sin is like the war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. 1 Kings 14.30 Anger may be reconciled, but hatred cannot be. True mourning begins in the love of God and ends in the hatred of sin. Gospel mourning in some cases is joined with restitution. It is as much a sin to violate the name as the purity of another. If we have darkened the good name of others, we are obligated to ask them for forgiveness. If we have wronged them in their substance by unjust, fraudulent dealing, we must make them some compensation. Thus Zacchaeus said, If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Luke 19, 8, according to the law of Exodus 22, 1. James tells us to look not only to the heart, but also to the hand. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. James 4, 8. If you have wronged someone, cleanse your hands by restitution. Be assured that without restitution there is no pardon. Gospel mourning must be a prompt mourning. We must be careful not to postpone our repentance and put it off until death. As David said, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now, Psalm 116, 18, so should a Christian say, I will mourn for sin now. Blessed are ye that weep now, Luke 6, 21. As Popilius, the Roman envoy, when he was sent to King Antiochus Epiphanes, made a circle around the king, and urged him to make his answer before he went out of that circle, so God has encircled us in the compass of a little time, and He tells us to immediately lament our sins. Now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17.30 We do not know whether we will have another day granted to us. Oh, let us not put off our mourning for sin until we make our will. Do not think that holy mourning is only a deathbed duty. You may seek the blessing with tears, as Esau did when it is too late. Hebrews 12.17 During tomorrow, said Augustine, how long shall I say that I will repent tomorrow? Why not at this instant? Delay brings danger. Caesar delayed reading his letter before he went to the Senate House, and it cost him his life. The true mourner makes haste to meet an angry God, as Jacob did with his brother, and the present he sends ahead is the sacrifice of tears. Gospel mourning for sin is constant. There are some people who will shed a few tears at a sermon, but this flood is soon dried up. The hypocrite's sorrow is like a vein opened and quickly stopped. The Hebrew word for eye also signifies a fountain, showing that the eye must run like a fountain for sin and not cease. However, it must not be like the Libyan fountain of the sun that the ancients speak of. In the morning the water is hot, and at midday it is cold. The waters of repentance must not overflow with more heat in the morning at the first hearing of the gospel, and then at midday, in the midst of health and prosperity, grow cold and be ready to freeze. 
No, it must be a daily weeping. Paul said, I die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. And a Christian should also say, I mourn daily. Therefore, keep open a passageway of godly sorrow, and be sure it is not stopped until death. Let not the apple of thine eye cease. Lamentations 2.18. It is reported of John Bradford, 1510-1555, that hardly a day passed in which he did not shed some tears for sin. Daily mourning is a good antidote against backsliding. I have read of someone who had an epilepsy or falling sickness and was cured when he was dipped in seawater. The washing of our souls daily in the tearful waters of repentance is the best way both to prevent and cure falling into relapses. Even God's own children must mourn after pardon, for God, in pardoning, does not pardon past and future sins at one instant, but as repentance is renewed, pardon is also renewed. If God would pardon future sins as well as past in one action, this would make void part of Christ's work. What need would there be of His intercession if sin would be pardoned before it was committed? There are daily sins in the godly that must be mourned for. Although sin is pardoned, it still rebels. Although it is covered, it is not cured. Romans 7.23 In even the best Christian, there is that which is contrary to God. There is in him that which deserves hell, and will he not mourn? A ship that is always leaking must have the water continually pumped out. While the soul leaks by sin, we must be still pumping at the leak by repentance. Christian, do not think that your sins are washed away only by Christ's blood, but by water and blood. The brass laver, Exodus 30.18, that the people of Israel were to wash in, might be a proper emblem of this spiritual laver of tears and blood. When holy mourning is determined in this way, this is that sorrowing after a godly sort, 2 Corinthians 7.11, that makes a Christian eternally blessed. The Sins of Others Just as we must mourn for our own sins, so we must lay to heart the sins of others. The poets profess that Biblis was turned into a fountain. We should wish with Jeremiah that our eyes were a fountain of tears, so that we could weep day and night for the iniquity of the times. Jeremiah 9, 1. Our blessed Saviour mourned for the sins of the Jews, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Mark 3, 5. As David looked upon the sins of the wicked, his heart was turned into a spring, and his eyes into rivers. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. Psalm 119, 136. Lot's righteous soul was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. 2 Peter 2, 7. Lot took the sins of Sodom and made spears of them to pierce his own soul. Cyprian says that in the early days of the church, when a virgin who vowed herself to the Christian religion had defiled her chastity, shame and grief filled the whole face of the congregation. Do we not have reason to mourn for the sins of others? 
the entire core of the nation is ready to break under the weight of sin. What a flood of wickedness there is among us! Mourn for the hypocrisy of the times. Jehu said, Come, see my zeal for the Lord. 2 Kings 10.16. But it was really zeal for the throne. This is the hypocrisy of some. No matter what they do, they say that they do it because of God. They make bold with God to use his name for their wickedness as if a thief would pretend to have the king's permission for robbery. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? Micah 3 10-11. Many people, with a religious kiss, Mark 14 44, smite the gospel under the fifth rib, 2 Samuel 4 6. Could not Ahab be content to kill and take possession, but must he accompany it with religion and make fasting a preface to his murder? 1 Kings 21.12. The virtuous devil is the worst. A burning torch in the hand of a ghost is most frightening. To hear the name of God in the mouths of scandalous hypocrites is enough to frighten others away from the profession of Christianity. Mourn for the sins and blasphemies of a nation. There is now a free trade of sin. Toleration gives people a license to sin. This cursed opinion was long ago buried in the church, but has now been dug out of the grave and is worshipped by some. England has grown as profane in her religion as she is amusing in her fashions. The religious exchange is open, and almost everyone wants an opinion of the newest kind. If people's faces changed as quickly as their judgments, we would not know them. Mourn for Covenant Violation this sin is a flying roll against England. Zechariah 5 1. Breach of covenant is spiritual harlotry, and for this God may name us Loamai, Hosea 1 9, and give us a bill of divorce. Jeremiah 3 8. Mourn for the pride of the nation. Our condition is low, but our hearts are high. Mourn for the profaneness of the land. England is like that man in the gospel who had a spirit of an unclean devil. Luke 4:33. Mourn for the removing of landmarks. Deuteronomy 27:17. Mourn for the contempt offered to the law and the spitting in the face of authority. Mourn that there are so few mourners. Certainly, if we do not mourn for the sins of others, it is to be feared that we are not aware of our own sins. God looks upon us as guilty of those sins in others that we do not lament. Our tears may help to quench God's wrath. The saints are members of the mystical body as well as governmental, and therefore they must be aware of the offenses of God's church. We wept when we remembered Zion. Psalm 137, 1. The people of Israel, being excluded from the place of public worship, sat by the rivers weeping. They laid aside all their musical instruments. We hanged our harps upon the willows. Psalm 137, 2. We were as far from joy as those willows were from fruit. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Psalm 137, 4. 
we were more suited to weep than to sing. The sound of song is not agreeable to mourning. When we consider the miseries of many Christians in Germany, the dukedom of Savoy, and other foreign lands, we should mourn when we consider those who have been driven from their dwellings because they would not abandon the Protestant faith and embrace the Roman Catholic religion. Instead of a Bible, they were offered a crucifix. Instead of prayers, they had Mass. Instead of going to church, they were to go on a pilgrimage to some saint or relic. When we consider these things, tears should run down from our eyes. Mourn to see God's church as a bleeding vine. Mourn to see Christ's spouse with garments rolled in blood. Isaiah 9, 5. I think I hear England's passing bell ring. Let us shed some tears over dying England. Let us mourn our national divisions. England's divisions have been fatal. They brought in the Saxons, Danes, and Normans. If a kingdom divided cannot stand, Mark 3.24, then how do we stand except by a miracle of free grace? Truth is fallen, and peace is fled. England's fine coat of peace is torn, and, like Joseph's coat, Genesis 37.31, dipped in blood. Peace is the glory of a nation. Some observe that if the top of the beech tree is taken off, the whole tree withers. Peace is the apex and top of all earthly blessings. With this top being cut off, we may truly say that the body of the whole nation begins to quickly wither. Mourn for the oppressions of England. The people of this land have given their money only to buy mourning. Although we must always keep open the issue of godly sorrow, yet there are some seasons during which our tears should overflow, just as the water sometimes rises higher. There are three special seasons of extraordinary mourning, when it should be as if it were high water in the soul. 1. When there are indications of God's wrath breaking forth in the nation. England has been under God's dark rod these many years. The Lord has drawn His sword, and it is not yet put away. Oh, that our tears may blunt the edge of this sword! When it is a time of treading down, it is then a time of breaking up the fallow ground of our hearts. Hosea 10.12 Therefore, said I, look away from me, I will weep bitterly, for it is a day of trouble and of treading down. Isaiah 22.4-5 A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me, with weeping and with mourning. Joel 2, 2, 12. Rain follows thunder. When God thunders in a nation by His judgments, then the showers of tears must fall. When God smites upon our back, we must smite upon our thigh. Jeremiah 31, 19. When God seems to stand over the threshold of the house, Ezekiel 10, 4, as if He were ready to take His wings and fly, then it is a time to lie weeping between the porch and the altar. Joel 2.17. If the Lord seems to be packing up and carrying away His gospel, it is now high time to mourn so that by our tears His repentings may possibly be kindled. Hosea 11.8. 2. Before performing solemn duties of God's worship, 
such as fasting or receiving the Lord's Supper. Christian, are you about to seek God in an extraordinary manner? Seek Him sorrowing. Luke 2.48. Do you want to have the smiles of God's face and the kisses of His lips? Set open all the springs of mourning, and then God will draw near to you in an ordinance, and say, Here I am. Isaiah 58.9. When Jacob wept, he found God in Bethel. Hosea 12.4. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for, he said, I have seen God face to face. Genesis 32.30. Give Christ the wine of your tears to drink, and in the sacrament he will give you the wine of his blood to drink. And three, after scandalous relapses. Though I will not say with Novatus that there is no mercy for sins of recidivism or relapse, yet I say that there is no mercy without bitter mourning. Disgraceful sins reflect dishonor upon religion. 2 Samuel 12.14. Therefore we should be ashamed, and our eyes should be wet with tears. After Peter denied Christ, he wept bitterly. Christian, has God given you over to any big sin as a just reward of your pride and security? Then weep over your sin. Sins of weakness injure the soul, but scandalous sins wound the gospel. Lesser sins grieve the spirit, but greater sins vex the spirit. Isaiah 63.10. If that blessed dove weeps, will we not weep? When the air is dark, then the dew falls. When we have darkened the light of the gospel by scandalous sin, then is the time for the dew of holy tears to fall from our eyes. Next to the seasons of mourning, let us consider its degree. The mourning for sin must be a very great mourning. The Greek word signifies a great sorrow, such as is seen at the funeral of a dear friend. They shall look on me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. Zechariah 12.10. The sorrow for an only child is very strong. This is how the sorrow for sin must be. In that day there shall be great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of Hadadramon in the valley of Megiddon. Zechariah 12.11. In that valley Josiah, that famous and pious prince, was cut off by an untimely death, at whose funeral there was bitter lamentation. We must lament just as bitterly, not the death, but the life of our sins. Now to discuss the scale of sorrow. Our mourning for sin must be so great as to exceed all other grief. Eli's mourning for the ark was such that it swallowed up the loss of his two children. 1 Samuel 4. Spiritual grief must prevail over all other. We should mourn more for sin than for the loss of friends or possessions. We should endeavor to have our sorrow rise up to the same height and proportion as our sin does. Manasseh was a big sinner and a big mourner. He humbled himself greatly. 2 Chronicles 33.12 Manasseh made the streets run with blood, and he made the prison in Babylon run with tears. Peter wept bitterly. Luke 22.62. A true mourner strives for his repentance to be as complete 
as his sin is absolute. Having shown the nature of mourning, I will next show what is the opposite of holy mourning. The opposite of mourning is hardness of heart, which in Scripture is called a heart of stone. Ezekiel 36 26. A heart of stone is far from mourning and relenting. This heart of stone is known by two characteristics. One characteristic is insensibility. A stone is not sensible of anything. Lay weight upon it or grind it to powder, but it does not feel. It's the same with a hard heart. It is insensible of sin or wrath. The stone in the kidneys is felt, but the stone in the heart is not. Who, being past feeling? Ephesians 4.19. A heart of stone is also known by its inflexibility. A stone will not bend. That which does not yield to the touch is hard. So it is with a hard heart. It will not comply with God's command. It will not bow to Christ's scepter. A heart of stone will sooner break than bend by repentance. It is so far from yielding to God that, like the anvil, it beats back the hammer. It resists the Holy Spirit. Acts 7 51. Oh, Christians, if you want to be spiritual mourners, take heed of this stone of the heart. Harden not your hearts. Hebrews 3 8. A stony heart is the worst heart. If it were brass, it could be melted in the furnace of iron. It could be bent with a hammer. But a stony heart is such that only the arm of God can break, and only the blood of God can soften. Oh, the misery of a hard heart! A hard heart is void of all grace. While the wax is hard, it will not take the impression of the seal. The heart, while it is hard, will not take the stamp of grace. It must first be made tender and soft. The plough of the word will not go upon a hard heart. A hard heart is good for nothing except to make fuel for hell fire. After thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans 2 5. Hell is full of hard hearts. There is not one soft heart there. There is weeping there, but no softness. We read of vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Romans 9.22. Unrepentance readies these vessels for hell and makes them like dry wood that is fit to burn. Hardness of heart makes a person's condition worse than all his other sins besides. If one is guilty of big sins, there is still hope if he can mourn. Repentance unravels sin and makes sin not to be, but hardness of heart binds guilt firmly upon the soul. It seals a person under wrath. It is not the enormity of sin, but hardness of heart that damns. This makes the sin against the Holy Spirit incapable of mercy, because the sinner who has committed it is incapable of repentance.